NBA draft analyst Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg from Locked On Warriors here with David Vermill from Locked On Heat. And uh, Joe Varden of The Athletic reported that Team USA's stars are frustrated with Greg Popovich's offense after losing to France in the Olympics opener Sunday. But we'll get to our most interesting players of the offseason in a bit here, David. That's going to act as our offseason preview of sorts. But first, how much blame should Popovich get? And do you think that the players, uh, if this report is accurate, do have a point? Is this the same Joe Varden who uh, is asking JaVale McGee if his mother's still alive and the one that's been pissing off Greg Popovich regularly throughout these Team USA Zoom calls? Because I'm not yes, sure how much one. stock I put. Okay, <laughs> all right. Just, just curious. Uh, you know, it just seems like wow. he's got a particular bone to pick here. Uh, I don't know exactly what that might be, but I, I don't know if there's like a personal vendetta against Popovich it seems like there is again like a, a specific angle that he's trying to get at with the kind of questioning he's been you know asking in these interviews and and whether or not now again these these reports about tension in that USA locker room I, I don't think that there is any necessarily I'm not I'm not disputing those reports outright but I think he's probably over exaggerating things to some degree which isn't to say that pop didn't make mistakes i think you can look at the addition of mcgee and Keldon johnson and question whether or not those were the right choices to replace kevin love and bradley beal i i think you can also look at the style of play and say maybe they might do things a little bit too simplistically and and i think that's also partly because of the fact that they just don't have a great amount of time to prepare but Popovich's coaching notwithstanding, that's not what caused three misses from the three-point line when the waning seconds of right. the game. That, that's not what led to Evan Fournier, of all people, going off for 28 points. None of that had anything to do with Popovich. And so if there's any blame to be held, I think almost all of it falls on the players. And then maybe to some degree, you can you know, scratch your head at some of the decisions that Popovich made for the building or the roster building aspect and maybe the in-game in kind of decision-making. But I, I think I, that's... I I don't really right. care about the roster building stuff because at the end of the day, they have Kevin Durant, they have Damian Lillard, like JaVale McGee being on or off this roster in place it of Kevin enough, Love. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That, that right. stuff should not matter. The fact that you have Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, all these guys on this on this roster, Draymond Green, that should be enough. And look, you make a point with Joe Varden and his questions have been pretty pointed about uh, the level of competition that Team USA is playing on this international stage. And the fact that the Americans are much more talented and every and, and the fact is that Greg Popovich's team has lost. What is it now? Three of their last four games, you know, and this was after, by the way, a really bad performance in the World Cup a couple of years ago. Right. A really disappointing World Cup. And Greg Popovich's record, you know, as an NBA coach is undisputable. One of the greatest coaches we've ever seen in the NBA, but an international level in, you know, uh, in the World Cup and in the Olympics now, it's very bad. And that's not an opinion, David. That is fact. Like, he yeah. does not win at the international level and has not done so yet. 
Now, what I'm not, I am not saying that he cannot win at the international level, that Team USA is doomed under Greg Popovich. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that so far in his short tenure as the leader of this team uh, for USA basketball, he hasn't been very good. And at every, every time that that's pointed out, and every time, whether it's Varden or somebody else, uh, says, you know what is, you know, you lost to this team. What do you think about it? And Greg Popovich comes back and says that you're not respecting the international game, that the rest right. of the world is caught up to America. All, this, all of that is also true. Like you look at what these other teams are doing and they do have an advantage when it comes to continuity and chemistry and knowledge of the international rules. But I don't care about if there's a difference in goaltending or three seconds or whatever. Kevin Durant should still make a, a couple of three-pointers at the, the end of that game. This is the same Kevin Durant who had one of the greatest games we've ever seen in the postseason. And what was it, game five against Milwaukee? And, and came with an, uh, the wrong shoe size of leading his shorthanded Brooklyn Nets to the NBA Finals. That's this Kevin Durant who can't make a basket against France. That Kevin Durant who went four for 12, one of six from three-point range for 10 points against France, and that's somehow a problem with the offense. The dude is getting wide-open looks. So is everybody else. Nobody's like Drew Holiday led the te- led the Team USA in points in eight with eighteen, right? right? Like that's not a winning formula. I know Drew Holiday is a champion. That's not a winning formula. That has nothing to do with the offense. These guys are getting clean looks. I understand that they're frustrated with some things here. They, they, I'm sure they're frustrated. They just lost, the, like you said, Evan Fournier. Like he's a free agent, and he's not really on the top of like all these lists that you're seeing out there right now. He's not going to be on our list of most <laughs> uh, interesting free agents. Certainly not mine. But um, this, this has, I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. It does start with Greg Popovich. It has nothing to do with his offense. I think there's something else going on. I don't even care about the roster construction. I don't care. Like these players at the end of the day, though, they just need to make shots. And Team USA is much more talented than every other team. And, and yeah. they should be winning these games. And that's not disrespectful to these other countries. It's just that's the way it is. Yeah. And, and look, Fournier's comments after the game, you know, clearly indicating that USA is a more talented team, but not a better quote unquote team. And I think that's a pretty pointed observation on his part. Like he, he knows these players he's played against them for years with the magic and nuggets before that. And I think he understands now that, that it takes a lot more than just sheer talent to be able to win at this level. But I will say that if there is any criticism of Popovich, that's probably much more well-deserved. It's the fact that Dame Lillard after that performance from Fournier pointed out that he didn't realize that players play so much better at this level when they're playing for their countries. And that's the kind of lack of preparation that does fall on Popovich, that you have to understand that they're playing for much more than just a, a win, that this is about pride in their but country. That these, they're and and, and yeah. shouldn't these players be doing that? Like they don't have to play for team USA. Nobody forced them to play in the Olympics. Like aren't, isn't the, isn't the only reason to do this pride that is the only reason to do what it is that these players who agreed to sign up for Team USA and go to Tokyo, the mm-hmm. only reason to do it is pride. I don't see yep. another reason. And so if you don't, have, I don't know what the problem is. I really don't. And well, I think there's a disconnect yeah. there, right? I, I think, yeah, they're proud of this opportunity. They've all said that. They've all maintained they want to be a part of this, that they want to represent their country, that it's a dream for them to do so. But I think there's this disconnect between saying it and actually feeling it to the degree that these other countries are out there, that they have an opportunity to challenge what is arguably the best team in the world in the United States and, and be able to show them that they can compete at this level. This isn't 1992. This isn't 2004, where they were just itching for an opportunity to show that we're on the same level. Now, 
well, they see weakness, they see blood in the water, whatever cliche you want to use. And it's a bigger opportunity. It's a bigger chance for all these other teams to prove something. And I think the United States team does not represent, it's not, they're just not aware of how dangerous it is right now for them. So they have to be able to make that connection much more quickly than anybody expected. I just don't know why, you know, like you lose a, a bu- two of those exhibition games, you lose to Nigeria, you lose... Like, at what point do you have to realize that you have to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hear anything about, like, the rules are different or the international game. Like, I, Luka Doncic just scored 48 too. points, and it was on a bunch of step-back three-pointers. You tell me how that's international basketball, right? Right, right. Like, Kevin, like, there's no reason that D- Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, any of these guys can't go out and hang 40 on any one of these teams. That just, it doesn't make sense to me. And maybe it's a... Hey, like we're all in this together. Let's let's try. Maybe they're overcompensating. Let's be a team, right? So you only have Kevin Durant taking twelve shots in twenty-one minutes, while you've got Luka Doncic scoring forty-eight points in thirty minutes or whatever it is. Like play, like there's still a hierarchy here, right? Like you have a star-studded roster, but like there is no reason why, you know, even a guy like Devin Booker, who is really really good, is playing two fewer minutes than Kevin Durant, who might be the best player on earth, right? Like there's just no reason for that. And, and just so you should play your best players, give your best players the ball. Everybody else falls in line. It's not teamwork. It's not continuity. It's just having a pecking order, having some sort of structure. Maybe that is Greg Popovich. It probably is Greg Popovich. Like you can't try to overcompensate the lack of continuity by trying to force continuity. No, like United States should lean into what it is that they do, that, that they have an advantage. And it's, they probably have the three best players in, in the Olympics, like they're like probably two or three best players, depending on where you put Luca on their team. So just give them the ball as much as possible, let them go to work, and then everybody else can fall in line. Yeah, I agreed. I, I think that's that's a huge that's probably partly, I mean, not partly, that's that is on Popovich. Like he yeah. we've all heard these conversations from from greats like LeBron and everybody else when they were playing for Coach K back in the day, like the way he communicated to Kobe, and maybe there was just a different relationship there. Maybe Pop doesn't necessarily approach players in the same degree. Everybody's different. Even a, even a great coach, an NBA coach like him, maybe just applies himself a little differently when he's working with these superstars. But you've, we've heard about these conversations where there were you know, sit-downs where he let them know, look, this is important. We need this from you. We need you to carry the team. Carmelo felt this. Like the fact that yeah. Olympic Mello is, is a, you know something that we're all very familiar with, I think speaks to the way that these coaches have been historically able to get the most out of these players. And maybe that's something that Popovich just hasn't doing. Like we have not heard that these conversations are taking place as far as their an understanding about which players have to step up in order to lead this team. And you always like you think about those past teams and whether it was Kobe or Dwayne Wade or LeBron James, sort of just saying, you know what, this is going to be my team, and right. I, and everybody else can fall fall behind me. And I just don't see that happening with any of these players. And maybe it is Greg Popovich, but honestly, like. If you're a, if you're an established star, you shouldn't need a coach to tell you that. Like Kobe yeah. didn't need Coach K. To KD's do that. a closer. Close right? the game. That's what you do. You're you're you're, you're shooting sixty percent from three in, in Olympic games. What are you supposed to be doing here? I mean, I, I just don't get it. Like he should be averaging thirty points per game in his sleep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, especially against this competition. And that's not disrespectful. That's just fact, nope. right? We can acknowledge yep. that the rest of the these teams have been playing for a long time and that you should respect them, but it just doesn't feel like the the team USA has any respect for them or for themselves right now. And then they, you know, it's not the end of the line, right? Like they could still medal here. They lost one game in the group stage, but uh, they need to turn things around. They knew they need to do it fast. Um, All right. Let's talk about our most interesting players 
uh, this offseason, David. That's coming up next. But first, tell them about Rock Auto. Well, the Olympics might be uh, up and down, but one thing you can count on is the family-owned business, rockauto.com. That's been serving customers online for 20 years. You can go to their easy-to-use website. It's so easy to navigate. Find the parts you're looking for just a few clicks away. You get the parts delivered directly and safely to your door. You could go to a, a chain store and see if maybe they have the parts available in their warehouse, but they've got a computer there where they're going to look for the same parts. When you've got access to a computer at home in your pocket, which means you've got access to rockauto.com, just go and use that website. Again, it's so easy to use. You won't have any problems finding the parts that you're looking for. And and once you do find the parts that you need, just go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on after you order the parts available for your car or truck. That's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Let's get into our most interesting players of the offseason. We're going to do this as a ranking David, so you and I have prepared a list, three each, three different players that we think are the most interesting uh, for this NBA offseason. We're going to start with uh, our, our number one, our most interesting player that we are watching this offseason. We'll go from number one, we'll go to number three. If anything overlaps, we'll call it out. And then maybe if we have some time, we'll get to some honorable mentions at the end here. But uh, David, let's just kick it off. Your most interesting player that you are watching this offseason. <sighs> This is really a lot more difficult. I, I look. Shout out to all the listicle creators out there. Like this is the this is their time, you know. The five top whatevers. I don't know how they do it. I mean, we've all dabbled in that at some point in our careers. But man, that is very difficult to do because I yeah. just can't narrow it down to any five. Do, maybe we do the Buzzfeed version. Is which which uh, NBA free agent are you most like? We could do like the Buzzfeed quiz. Yeah, uh, House Gryffindor slash Kyle Lowry, uh, who is my most interesting free agent. So I, I think uh, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You sound surprised. Uh, he did not make my top three. Wow. Yeah, I guess that is a surprise to me. Like he has the potential to change a lot of the dynamic in the Eastern Conference. I, I think, look, even as old as he might be, and I mean, old is all relative, of course, except in the NBA. I, have you seen a 36-year-old point guard in Phoenix take that team to a championship level? You've seen him be able to steer the ship in the past there in Oklahoma City and, of course, with Houston. And I think, you know, we've seen that Kyle Lowry can be that kind of impactful player. And I think now with reports being much more uh, – I guess out there now, there are a lot more reports that he wants a, a multi-year deal at $30 million plus that is a hefty paycheck. But I think a lot of teams in the East view him as a, a just that, that, that necessary piece to take their team to that next level. You've got Philadelphia as a potential team. You've got Toronto who can re-sign Kyle and still get right back in the mix with their fourth pick in the draft if they don't trade that pick. You've got Miami that's uh, a yeah. favor to possibly add Lowry. And then in the Western Conference, you've got the New Orleans Pelicans that are allegedly or reportedly uh, you know, clearing salary cap space to bring in a guy like Lowry to steer the ship there to get the most out of Brandon Ingram and Sion Williamson and everything else. So he has the potential to change the landscape of the NBA single-handedly. So to me, that's why he is 
the most interesting point guard. And the fact that he's going to be commanding $30 million a year at age 35, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, as a on-court player, we're all familiar with what Lowry can do. He's a great leader. He's vocal, gets the most out of his teammates, a great defender, great scorer, shooter, et cetera, even at this age, even though while he was mostly injured for last year, I think he was still an impactful player, an all-star level player, and he can be again in the future. So even though there might be concerns from an age standpoint, I think he's still still can change the league uh, single-handed. I think he is probably the biggest domino to fall right away uh, once free agency begins. Um, if we would have done a list of our top four, Lowry would have been my fourth. And it's for all the reasons that you're saying. Like, you think about the teams that are rumored. If he wants $30 million a year, that's fine. Whatever team signs him probably is willing to pay that because they view him not just as worth $30 million a year in a vacuum, but, hey, this is the piece to take us over the top. And getting over the top is worth $30 million a year. You look at a team like the Lakers, Kyle Lowry would be a great fit there. Uh, Miami has been a long rumored favorite uh, possible destination of Kyle Lowry. I think that makes a lot of sense for them, needing mm-hmm. um, somebody to guard the point of attack, but also facilitate and get Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo off the ball a little bit more and help them take the next level. Um, I love the idea of him in New Orleans, who, by sorry, the way, we sorry, we, even as we're recording yes. this, we're probably gonna have to change this. Adrian Wojnarowski oh. reporting. Memphis is finalizing a trade to send Jonas Valanciunas and the 2021 number 17 and 51 picks to New Orleans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and picks number 10 and 40 and a protected 22 first rounder. So Valanciunas and and so you swap Valanciunas and Steven Adams. Memphis moves up to the 10th pick and New Orleans moves back from 17. So what and, and gets off of. Eric Bledsoe, right? And in the right. second round. Creating the salary cap space we were just talking about. Um, I don't know that it creates salary cap space because you're getting Valentine. Oh, oh, no, yeah, because you're losing Eric Bledsoe. So, right. um, yeah, so they're getting some salary cap space. Mark Stein reporting that the Pelicans were very in on Kyle Lowry. Uh, if you're the Pelicans now, you don't have the 10th pick in this draft, but you do have 17, and I think that there are a lot of players at 17 that can help them. I don't know that in this draft, 10 to 17 is that much different. This is kind of a draft that's deep in that kind of range. Um, I like Valanchunas as a player a lot, actually. I'm not sure. sure. I think the only reason Memphis is doing this is to move up to number 10, right? right? Eric Bledsoe, I guess, is a nice backup, can theoretically play next to John Morant, right, because of his defense. Um, Look, I I like that trade, actually, for both sides quite a bit. And if you're Memphis, you're you're at the point in your developmental sort of stage where you're not paying John Morant and, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks like tons of money yet, so you can afford to to spend a little on Eric Bledsoe if it means moving up seven spots in this draft. I do wonder who it is that they're targeting in the draft. Yeah, good point. Um, and, and as always, a reminder to make sure to follow Locked On Pelicans and Locked On Grizzlies for much more in-depth analysis of these picks and getting the perspective of somebody who covers this team and knows exactly what they're looking for. The Pelicans rumored to be very interested in adding shooting as well as Kyle Lowry. So Duncan Robinson, a heat target, I think, is somebody that uh, could make a lot of uh, make a, a huge improvement there. And all of a sudden, you transform that roster. You get a very good center back in Valanciunas to replace what Adams brings you. He can complement Zion. Williamson, you're probably going to lose Lonzo Ball in free agency, but if you can add Duncan Robinson, if you can add uh, Lowry, all of a sudden you transform the Pelicans into a legitimate powerhouse in the Western Conference. I think the Valanchunas swap is a little underrated here too, because he's been toying with that three-point shot the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. A couple of years ago, he was about, he was taking one per game. I'm not sure what it was at this last year for Memphis, but he's got that more in his repertoire than, than Steven Adams does, that's for sure. And so you like that combination of of him and Zion in the front court I think a little bit more than Steve Adams and 
and you're you're moving up in the draft, right? So yeah. that's that's a that's a nice trade. I, like I said, if you and it makes and, and depending on what it's better, that trade is better for Memphis, or or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, I think it's better for Memphis, but because um, you're moving up, I don't know. I like it for both sides. We're we're reacting to this happen. like in the moment, but um, uh, it'll be interesting to see yeah, what I mean, it is it that New Orleans the, does it with changes- it. Yeah, it changes the timeline for both teams, right? For New Orleans, I think it represents a much more win-now move as far as jettisoning these two players that yeah. are, are you can think of as veteran core pieces, but at the same time, maybe they were bogging your salary cap down and you're sacrificing draft picks, but you've got a lot of those that you acquired for the trade for Anthony Davis, and I think you can still afford to throw a couple of those picks at another team in order to improve your chances now. For Memphis, it kind of feels like a little bit of a step back, even though, I, I mean, again, I like Adams. Bledsoe is what he is. I think he's kind of gotten to the point now where he's more underrated. I, I know he's not a great player, but I think he can still contribute defensively. He can still lead the team to some degree. I think he's a nice fit for a good young core there. I don't think he's going to disrupt anything necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on what New Orleans does with this new cap space and what it is that Memphis is targeting there at number 10, because they're moving up seven spots for a reason, you know, right. and I, and I don't, I don't pretend to know what Memphis is targeting at 10. I don't think anybody does, but um, other than they, other than them, of course. All right. So that's interesting that that kind of and that leads us into this conversation as well. So uh, let's continue our rankings here. You had Kyle Lowry as your number one. He was off my board, but was was very close to making it. My number one here is Damian Lillard. I want to talk about that more next day. But first, let's take a quick break and talk about bet online. Well, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. If you want to bet on the Olympics or baseball, which is in full swing, you can always go to bet online to find all of your sporting needs. If, you, if you're looking for you know the latest news, odds, and anything you might be looking for about the NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA action, before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information, and more. This is your opportunity. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. So this trade gives the Pelicans enough space to not only go out and sign Kyle Lowry if Lowry does decide to make that Chris Paul type of move and try to go to a young team and take him to the next level, but they can also match for Lonzo Ball now, who's a restricted free agent. Like there's there's a few things that they could do um, in free agency, and there's a few names out there that could be available. But my number one offseason uh, guy that I'm watching, my most interesting player this offseason, is Damian Lillard mm-hmm. is my number one guy. Um, this is of all the names that have been out there, just th- simply put the best player who could be out there. And look, Damian Lillard has made it very clear. He has not yet demanded a trade, but even with that being the case, everybody will be watching Damian Lillard. And I have a feeling that if he were to de- ask for a trade, it would be after the draft, after the off season, he's going to give Portland sort of right a refusal, right? Like, Hey, look, you have a chance here to surround me and make the, the acquisitions and, and the moves that can convince me to stay. But if you don't do that, I'm going to ask for a trade. And that's where I think this thing is headed. And we could be at a situation where that happens in the first couple of weeks of the regular season, right? Like it could be more of like a James Harden type of timing. And if that's the case, 
like Damian Lillard can have a Giannis like effect on the rest of the league when everybody was hoarding cap space and getting ready and wondering if he's going to sign that extension or not this time last year. Ultimately, he did sign that extension and it kind of screwed up a lot of plans for a lot of teams across the league. Um, but a lot of those same teams could be in the mix for Damian Lillard and be watching what happens with that situation. And maybe similarly, not hoarding cap space, but certainly hoarding assets, right? Like if you're Toronto, like are, how inclined are you to move the fourth overall pick and maybe a Pascal Siakam type if you think that you can eventually package those things for Damian Lillard? If you're Miami and you want to go all in, um, if you're Sacramento, I guess that's been LinkedIn uh, has been rumored to be interested. If you're Dallas, if you're New Orleans, like all these teams that have been linked to Damian Lillard, one way or at least interested. And by the way, I think every team should be interested in Damian Lillard. Sure. Um, how much of that asset hoarding are you doing uh, versus, you know what, let's just let's just sell what we can and just try to improve our team marginally, even if it means we can't land the type of player that Damian Lillard is. Look, I, I can't deny that Lillard's certainly the biggest name and the, just the biggest talent in terms of moving the needle this offseason. I mean, he would change the dynamic of the league for sure. But at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, even as you're talking about this, you know, trading Harden to an already stocked team in Brooklyn is one thing, but is there a team that you see that could, you know, contend immediately by acquiring Lillard? Yeah, right it's away? Philadelphia. Like, it's Philadelphia um, is the team, right? And and so that's kind of the most interesting situation. If you swap Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard and whatever else, you know, draft picks would have to move around, I'm sure other, you know, bit players would have to move around. Yeah, I think what you end up getting is a powerhouse team. And, you know, I think there's like, Damian Lillard, like Golden State, right? Like what happens if he ends up there? That's a very similar thing to what it is. Like probably the closest thing to Brooklyn outside of Brooklyn, right? Is Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and Klay Thompson on one team. So um, there are a couple. Uh, I think it would be really interesting in, in a few places. Not necessarily Sacramento. That to me is not interesting. If he ends up in Sacramento, I would I would change this list uh, pretty dramatically. But uh, yeah, I think that Lillard is the kind of player who can, you know, have a huge sway on the league. Yeah, I, I didn't look. I didn't go into it thinking, you know, I was mostly looking at free agents. But you're right. Uh -huh. I mean, Lillard, Lillard and Beal, I think, are the two big names that are most likely to demand a trade, and, and those are the kind of superstar blockbuster moves that seem much more realistically likely to happen at some point in the next few months, and and do change a league completely. And I think that's that's what we're all excited about at this point in time in the off season is that we're looking at players, and while everybody gets incredibly invested in the draft and with good reason. There's to me, you know how I feel about the draft. There's a very unlikely chance at hitting the kind of generational talent or even the kind of landscape changing talent that moves the needle right away that you can bring to your team and all of a sudden it's going to impact your chances of winning so dramatically that it takes your team to another level. There's no Luka Doncic, there's no LeBron James, there's no Tim Duncan, there's not even a Zion Williamson. And even Zion Williamson, as good an individual talent as he is, we can all see that you need the right players around him in order to maximize what it is he does. So when you look at a guy like Lillard that does change every game because of his incredible scoring ability or even a guy like Beal, you know, maybe he doesn't win to the point he does, but is still obviously an all NBA level player. Those kinds of players, when they're on the move, everybody has to pay attention. So I, I completely agree with your ranking of Lillard. Who's your number two? Ah, uh, you know, I went with that same route there. I, I kind of wanted to cheat and look at a couple of different players that to me, well, I'll, I'll cheat, you know, I'll, I'll package yeah. two and three together to some degree. Mike Conley and Serge Ibaka. Okay. 
because to me, when those players, if those players do elect to leave their respective teams, it indicates a belief that those teams, respectively, the Jazz and the Clippers, are no longer contenders. While the Clippers were able to advance with Ibaka mostly injured and Conley similarly being injured, Utah fell short of their goal. We're already hearing that Joe Ingles is up for trade and everything else. I think it, they both represent that the team has to kind of revalue whether where they are right now in their timeline and whether or not these are the kind of players that they want to commit to. And I think for a jazz team, that's kind of retooling and looking for what that next level is. If Conley leaves, does that make the jazz a weaker team? Are they still among those teams in the Western conference that view themselves as contenders? Similarly, the Clippers. I mean, you're already looking at likely having Kawhi Leonard out for a year for Ibaka he wants another ring. He's got a player. He's got, yeah, he's got a player option on his contract. Could he just opt out and say, you know what? I'd rather test free agency again. I don't want to just stick around here and see what I can do to contribute while Kawhi heals for most of the season. Our chances of winning a title in Los Angeles aren't great, even when he does come back. Uh, maybe it's time for me to move on and see if I can get a ring elsewhere. I could see him joining another contender. Again, these are smaller moves, but at the same time, a Conley or an Ibaka that just want to win and win now, if they go to join a team that might be a, a you know primed just a little bit better than either Utah or Los Angeles at a chance at a ring, they could really change, uh, you know, the dynamic of the league. Yeah. I know that the Jazz fans um, listening to this might hate this idea, but, you know, Dennis Schroeder for Mike Conley, like a double sign and trade. I don't, I, I, it's very, very difficult. I'm not even sure if that necessarily works without yeah. looking at their two salary cap tables, but you know, you look at a team like the Lakers that would obviously want to get in on Kyle Lowry. Like, obviously, they've been rumored to try to get in on Chris Paul. A guy like Mike Conley makes a lot of sense. Kyle Lowry there makes a lot of sense. It sounds like Dennis Schroeder is, is going because he turned down all of the money that the Lakers could possibly offer him. Uh, so that seems like a like kind of the writing's on the wall there. Um, to me, my number two guy was Ben Simmons. So I went, I went with more trade candidates, and you went with more free agents, right. which I think makes for a good list. But... I don't want to do the Ben Simmons thing again because I feel like every podcast has been about Ben Simmons. Um, I just I find it very interesting. I just, generally because of the the 76ers are are very interesting, right? Like what they do, they're in a crossroads, and what they do this offseason um, could determine if they're the they're the you know the 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 favorites in the East next year, right? With the way that Joel Embiid played last season, um, and then the other interesting thing about Ben Simmons is that he's under contract for four years, and so whatever like I. The situation with Bradley Beal is he kind of gets to pick his shot. If he does ask for a trade, he's mm -hmm. got a little bit more power because he only has one more year left on that deal, right? Because then right. he can become a free agent. So he can threaten a team that he won't resign. Simmons, I don't think, has that kind of power because he is under contract. So he can really land anywhere. So you have these teams like the Cavaliers, the Pacers, the Timberwolves, the Kings, the Raptors that have been linked to Ben Simmons, have, in, have rumored interest in Ben Simmons. Like, could you imagine if the Kings just blew everything up and said, let's just build around Ben Simmons the way that the Milwaukee built around Giannis. Like that would be interesting at least to me. Um, so, um, all right. My final one, since you lumped yours together, my final one is LeBron James and I'm cheating too here, David, not that LeBron James is on the move this off season, but what kind of power does he use to influence that organization? And what does he signal to that front office or a signal implies that it's a little bit um, not direct. Uh, what does he tell that front office? What players does he want to play with? We've already heard the the rumor names. Russell Westbrook is another one that could be rumored. Yeah. Is that actually a good fit? Does LeBron think that that's a good fit? Does he want them to make that sort of move? We've heard that they're basically offering 
Contavious Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma for salary matching purposes and whatever else that they have in order to facilitate some sort of deal. I just find what the Lakers are doing after being a first round and out team. We know that that's not going to fly with LeBron James that Anthony Davis, when he is in, in the playoffs is one of the best team or one of the best players in the league. They need to get back to the playoffs and they need to improve that roster because whatever it is that Rob Polinka did last year didn't work, right? The Montrose Herald thing, the Marcus Saul thing, Andre Drummond wasn't a great acquisition. Um, the Dennis Schroeder thing didn't exactly pan out, uh, even though he was still suffering from symptoms of COVID during the playoffs, and that was tough for him and, and for the Lakers. But um, I just find it very interesting what it is that the Lakers do because we know they're going to do something, right? Like LeBron James teams don't just like stand pat. They're going to make some sort of move. And just given that we don't really know what kind of move is out there, and if it's somebody like Russell Westbrook, who I don't know if that's a really good move. Like I think John Wall could be in the mix there too if Houston makes him available. Um, all those things, like, I don't know. I just find it interesting because LeBron James is just always interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it almost feels to me like strangely, this is like one of the few off seasons where LeBron's name isn't like at the top of everyone's list. Like he has changed. Like he is almost always the first domino to fall to dictate the terms or even last off season. Cause it wasn't the last summer, you know, the additions that the Lakers were able to make after winning a championship seemed like it was dominating the headlines. It seems like the first time where he's mostly just concentrating on space jam too, and not necessarily on how to retool their team. But uh, yeah, LeBron should almost always be at the top of any list when it comes to the NBA. Do you have any honorable mentions? Cause I've got a couple, I feel like we should probably share out there. I had a dishonorable mention. Uh, okay, let's hear it. I, I think there are a lot of listeners like, hey, Kawhi could be a free agent. Why haven't you mentioned him? And I just sure. I haven't mentioned him because I just generally find Kawhi uninteresting. And, yeah, and like I don't really, and he's also going to be hurt for most of next year, if not all of next year. I just and, and I'm just I don't find it very interesting. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just not all that interested in it. Right. right. Uh, I, I, I've got a, yeah. Uh, Duncan Robinson. I mean, maybe yeah. that's somewhat homerish there, but I think. I People forget how good of a shooter he is, and it's easy to dismiss. And it's like, oh, he's a bad defender. And I think that becomes somewhat apocryphal and that, you know, he's got this reputation now, but he's improved. He can get to the hoop. He can make smart plays. He's not a playmaker, and you can think of him as being mostly one-dimensional. But he's pretty damn good at that one dimension, and he could quite possibly be the best shooter in the NBA. And I, I think that that can certainly change a team's hopes of of being either somewhat middling or being an elite level team. And then there's always the underrated moves. Like I look at last offseason and the addition of Jay Crowder to Phoenix to help cement that team. Yeah, you already have a superstar talent and Booker, and you get an established elite Hall of Famer and Chris Paul. But you need guys like that, maybe a Rashawn Holmes or even PJ right. Tucker if he decides to leave Milwaukee those kind of moves on the fringes really change team you know a team's potential from from you know maybe a, a fourth or fifth seed to being a top three seed in the conference and perhaps even contending for a title we'd be remiss not to mention chris paul right who can become a free agent a lot of people expect him to maybe opt out after this run and get a long-term deal right um that to me is very interesting the knicks we know are very interested in acquiring chris paul and having him do the same thing that he did for phoenix i just everything that we hear and I don't pretend to know, David, but everything we hear is that Chris Paul prefers to stay on the West Coast so they could be near his right. family. Phoenix qualifies for that. That's why people have made that Lakers connection, even though it's very hard for the Lakers to get Chris Paul. I'm still not sure exactly how that works out, but uh, it would have to be some sort of sign-and-trade mechanism. or I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, the other name that I wanted to mention was DeMar DeRozan, who I think is, sure. has been sort of forgotten by the NBA, playing in San Antonio after he got traded from Toronto, but kind of – evolved his game more of a playmaker now i think it'd be really helpful for the right team we've heard the lakers connection there 
I think he would be a nice fit in Philadelphia if they can maneuver that. Um, there are a lot of teams that I think could use a guy like DeMar DeRozan. He's not the all-star that he was anymore, but there are nights where he could put up those numbers. And I think overall, a very helpful player, a guy who can get his own shot. And that's the kind of player that we've seen in these playoffs that are really important, right? Like those players matter. And I think he could be a guy who, similar to Mike Conley and Kyle Lowry, we should be talking about DeMar DeRozan in that same kind of group as a guy who is not going to come in and be your best player, shouldn't come in and be your best player, I should say. But if you have an established hierarchy and you can use that kind of element to your team, could be that kind of player who takes you over the top. I think DeMar DeRozan qualifies as that. Absolutely. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me over at Locked on Warriors and David over at Locked on Heat. Make sure to tune into all the the great NBA draft content that we have going on this week, including the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast. Um, And then on Thursday, be on the lookout for what we have going on on YouTube uh, and and all of our podcasts and your favorite local teams after that. That'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening.